Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jason Lewis, the producer of the From the Shadows podcast. Tonight we have a very special episode where the guest is one of our very own team members, the judge. The judge will be opening up to share one of his experiences that helped to shape his curiosity and to make him a true believer in the unexplained. The judge has an encounter with a cryptid creature which changed his life and made him a true believer. Without any more delay, let's get started with this amazing tale. And now, I will turn you over to your host, Shane Grove. Welcome to this episode of From the Shadows Podcast. Today we are going to hear the story that uh, is the genesis for the judge and I to, uh, to start this podcast. So uh, let's get right into it. So Judge, um, would you care to rehash a story that I first heard when I was probably 16, 17 years old, um, back, in, back in our high school days? Sure. Now, now keep in mind, Judge is way older than me. He's probably <laughs> So he was a year older than me in high school, and, and and I firmly remember the night we were, were playing poker, playing cards, and the night after this happened, and the judge came in and, and told us this story. Okay, so summertime, um, high school, I was, uh, I was running cross country, and I was preparing for the season. It was summer, it was hot. And we'd had a stretch, and I, I can't remember exactly what week it was, but it was, I believe it was in August, early August. And it, we'd had like three days where it was really, really hot, 100-degree weather. And I was like, you know what? I'm not a morning person. I can't get up and run at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm a night owl. I stay up way too late. 
So I decided I was going to get my five-mile training run in at night. Um, grew up out in the country, um, so run around cornfields, barns, playing hide-and-go-seek as a kid. You know, not afraid of the dark or anything like that. So I said, you know, I'm just going to go out and do a, a training run. And so there was a road that was by my house that was a country road that ran about two and a half miles down to a state route. But to traverse, to get to that road, to get to that side road, I had to get onto a major a major road, State Route 4. So if anybody knows anything about Ohio, State Route 4 runs north and south, and it's full of... Um, it's full of lake traffic. And uh, so anybody going to and from Lake Erie is going to traverse this area, as well as there's a tremendous amount of uh, semi-traffic. And there still is a bunch of semi-traffic. So as a kid growing up, I was never allowed to own a bicycle because the traffic was so bad on Route 4. My mom's like, you're, you're going to get yourself killed. I'm not going to let you do it. So to get to this side road that I was going to run down, it's probably... And I can't remember exactly. It's 100 yards maybe, you know. So I, I cut across Route 4, get to this side road, and it's going to be two, two and a half miles down, two and a half miles back for my five miles. So it, it was a clear night. It, it, well, there wasn't a full moon or anything like that out, but you know, there was a lot of moonlight, no clouds, sky was clear. And when I take off running, there's a cornfield on my right, in a bean field on my left. And so the first mile takes you down to a road called Flickinger Road. That would be the first crossroad you'd come to, and that's about a mile. So what's interesting about that is it's all corn for almost an entire mile to Flickinger. Then you get the crossroad, and then there's a woods that runs, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile. And not a giant woods or anything like that, but, you know, a pretty decent-sized woods. And then from there, you have a series of houses, different side roads and things like that, all the way down to the turning point. So first two and a half miles, uneventful, run down, turn around, coming back. And this whole thing, this whole experience takes off when I get back close to Flickinger Road, which would be <clears throat> now the cornfield and everything's on my left, the bean field's on my right. So the woods... I see the woods, and like I said, I, I'm not scared of the dark. I never was scared of the dark. Um, the woods is on the left, and I get to Flickinger Road, and then the corn starts. And it was right there, I mean, within, you know, 10 yards of passing Flickinger Road that I noticed to my left that the corn started moving. Now, at first... It didn't startle me. I mean, there's deer everywhere. Um, so, you know, just assumed it was deer in the corn. Not a big deal. Um, but as I ran, I noticed that the corn, about you know, like three, four rows in, the corn was moving with me. So whatever was in the corn was running with me. And even that didn't really startle me, except when I came to the realization 
that whatever was in the corn was running the exact same pace that I was running. Like it was, it was, uh, you know, mirroring me. And it was, it, it was, and, and I thought that was strange. So I stopped because I thought, okay, that's weird. So I stopped. And when I stopped, it stopped. And that's what kind of like threw me because if it was a deer, a deer wouldn't have stopped. Um, and when it stopped, I mean, there, there wasn't any movement of corn. I mean, it didn't move at all. It was dead still. And so, I, you know, I'm standing there and I'm looking at the corn going, oh, this is really weird. And my first thought was, well, maybe someone's in the corn, you know. But this is like 1030 at night. And, and I'm like. And also, anybody run through, ever run through a cornfield? Especially somebody that would be out there late at night messing around, you'd have to be a reasonable age. You're right. just going to get cut to shreds. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You can't run in a cornfield because you get cut too bad. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, the other thing is where this took place, now there's some houses in that area. But at that time, there was no house. And so, you know. You start running things through your mind like, well, could this be a bunch of kids messing around? But then, I, you know, but there's no houses around. You know, there's no farmhouse nearby. And like you guys said, having grown up, you know, grew up on farms and stuff like that, imagine trying to run in daylight in a cornfield, let alone at night, because the, the rows are so skinny. I mean, you'd trip, you'd fall, you'd get cut up. It, it wouldn't be something for a person to do. Right. So... We also have a coyote population. It's, it's pretty thick. And I thought, well, you know, it could be coyotes. But then I'm like, well, I've seen coyotes. I've seen a lot of coyotes. The corn was moving in such a way that whatever was moving the corn was big. Well, that, back then, though, the coyote population was not. I mean, we're talking mid-'80s. Right. Uh, so it wasn't like anything like today as far as the coyote population. You okay. Know, for, for that to be, I mean, that's back then as far as what we I remember, you know, and even the deer population was nothing like it is. That's like right. That. that that that's right. So, so I stood there, and, and I can't tell you how long I stood there, but I stood there long enough to to think some things through and analyze some things and and think, well, okay, the corn's not moving anymore. Whatever it is, maybe it's gone, took off, whatever. So. I start jogging again, and when I start running again, whatever's in the corn starts running also. And and what really throws me, I'm like, now wait a minute, this thing's three, four rows in deep. It can't see me. There's no way it can see me. And this time of year, the corn was about head high. So you know, I, back then I was five eleven and three quarters, and with my shoes on, I was probably six foot or whatever. And, and so the corn is about head high. So I'm like, this can't see me. Whatever's in this corn, it can't see me. There's just no physical way you can see through four rows of corn at night and see me to know that I just took off running. Yes, right. So that, that spooked me at that point. So it, I was in pretty good shape. You know, I was, I was a runner. So I thought, well, I'm just going to pick up the pace. So I pick up the pace because you know, I'm, now I'm scared. Um, and I'm going pretty fast, and whatever's in the corn is staying with me perfectly. Hmm. 
So now I'm like, there's no way this is a person because there's no person, in my opinion, alive that could have ran as fast as I was running on concrete in a cornfield. So I've ruled out it's a person. I've ruled out it's a deer. And now your mind, you know, your mind starts playing all kinds of stuff on you as to what's in there. So, like with the thrashing of the corn, seeing how the corn was moving like this, did you notice, uh, I don't know, a sound of heavy breathing? No. No, no. struggle at all trying uh -uh. to keep up? With no, I didn't hear up. anything. Like, didn't hear panning, growling, nothing. And I mean, the only panning I heard was my, my heart ready to lurch out of my chest. Right. You know, because, so, so I run pretty hard, and then I just stop. I mean, I just stopped. And when I stopped, it stopped on a dime. Intriguing. And, and so I'm like, well, how does this thing know I just stopped? And so now, and so you, you, know, how, you know the width of a country road. Yes. So, so now I scoot all the way over to the opposite side because I'm like, I want to be as far away from the actual corn as possible. Which isn't that far. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's, it's not. Far at all. So I'm standing there, and I'm just staring, you know, and, and you get this you know, fight or flight type, you know, adrenaline. And so you're, I'm really scared and I'm thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to catch my breath and I'm going to just take off as fast as I can. And I'm going to see if I can just shake this thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I take off, you know, well, one, I, you know, you get, okay, one, two, three, four, ready, set, go. One of those things. And I take off, and I mean, I'm running, I'm, I'm running like I'm running like a 400-meter dash. Mm -hmm. And it takes off same time I do, and I can't shake it. I, I can't shake it. It's, it's staying with me. So I stop again because now I'm almost like hyperventilating because you take off too You run too fast. Your heart's already pounding. And now I'm thinking, okay, I need an escape plan. Because I can't outrun it. Whatever's in there, it can it, it it can sense me. It can see me. It knows it knows where I'm at. I don't know where it's at. I can't outrun it. And so now, you, you start panicking, thinking, okay, I, I've got to somehow get out of this situation. So there was a there was an old farmhouse up on the right that was coming up. Just I wasn't very far away, and it had a. Uh, I remembered that it had a tree in the right out by the road. So I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to the tree. I'm going to scamper up the tree. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Tarzan it. And I'll just get high enough up in the tree to where whatever's in that corn can't get me. Which may be the most unbelievable part of the story. <laughs> that you were going to Tarzan the tree. But go Let me tell you, your mind plays tricks on you. So, but I tell you what, as scared as I was, I'm thinking, I'm climbing up that tree. Right. So the problem was... You know, I had run by that tree umpteen times because this is a road that I'd ran down for training umpteen times. Right. But you know, it's like, you know how you see something, but you don't really see it. Right. So I had seen it so many times in my memory. What I remembered was this full, lush <laughs> tree. And so I start jogging again. And by the time I get to the tree, some guy had dehorned the damn tree. And there was no branches for me to be able to climb up. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm stuck. So going up the tree is not going to happen. So um, now I'm thinking, okay, 
how do I get out of this? So, so once you get past that farmhouse, there's a bean field on your right. Okay. And there's the corn on your left. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I just go right and try to cut through the beans, go down the road, try to cut, you know, I'm going to try to double back or something. But the problem was the way the rows of the beans ran, I was going to have to cut across them. At night, the beans were, they would have tripped me up. I, I couldn't run. And then the fear was, okay, if this thing starts to chase me, if it comes out of the corn, I at least on, on pavement, I can juke, I can cut, I can do something. You know what I mean? Right. But in the bean field, I'm not. I'm going to get tripped up. I'm going to fall. I got no chance. So I rule out in my mind, I, I can't cut across the bean field. So then I start doing the math. And say, okay, when I get to Route 4, for me to get home, I've got to go left, which means I'm going to intersect with this thing because it's going to come out of the corn as I'm cutting left. We're going to run right into each other. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and if, I, if my memory serves me correctly, the, the corn did not run all the way up to the road because you have the road, and then you kind of have the ditch, and yeah. then you have this section of about 10, 15 feet, 20 feet, I don't know, 10 yards of, of just like wild grass, wildflowers and stuff like that before yeah. the actual corn starts. So there's going to be a point where the I'm, I'm not going to actually quite beat Route 4 yet and the corn's going to end and I'm going to see this thing and I'm going to have to turn left and it, it's, it's got me. Right. If, if it's a predator, it's got me. There's, I'm, I'm stuck. So my, one of my good friends lived to the right. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to go left and go home. I'm going to go right and go to my friend's house. But the problem with that is he lives probably 150, 200 yards. It's not very far away. To the right. Okay. So there's going to be a point where if this thing comes out of the corn, it's unobstructed by the corn. And right. it's going to be a foot race. For me to get to my buddy's house but by now it's 11 o'clock mm -hmm. you know what i mean it, it it's late and i'm thinking they could have the doors locked you know what i mean i'm not going to be able to, to get in the get in their cars or and i'm thinking okay so even if i get there what am i going to do but then i remembered that my buddy has a swimming pool so i'm thinking okay, if I can get there, I can dive into the swimming pool and maybe get away from this thing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this was an amphibious thing that was chasing me or what. Mm -hmm. but, but that was the only thing in a panic state of mind. And, and keep in mind, as, as, a, as an almost 50-year-old man, my thought process today, what I would do, is vastly different to when I was a teenage kid. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's easy for, like, us to sit around what and round tables. What's that? What would you do today? Pull out your cell phone and call somebody? <laughs> turn the light on? Well, I can, Probably. I can tell you this much. Today, uh, the thing in the cornfield wouldn't have to work nearly as hard to keep up with anybody. <laughs> No, I, would probably, I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to even run. No, I, I, I think to... Walk, just walk out and say, I got you. Yeah. Um, Father Time already caught me before that did. But I don't know. I, I probably would have done things differently. You know what I mean? The old farmhouse, 
I probably just went up and busted the window out and, and just went in that house and said, I don't care if the sheriff shows up or not. You know what I mean? I'm the judge. <laughs> but, but back then, that, you know, busting out somebody's window and going in their house wasn't in the realm of possibilities. Because I was a teenage kid. Mm-hmm. Unless you planned it ahead of time. Right. We're going to, yeah. We're going to. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking, okay, but the problem is, at this point, I got about eh, a little less than a half mile to go. About a little bit until I get to Route 4. So I say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break into a slow jog. And then when I get to the point where I'm getting close to Route 4, I'm going to just, I'm just going to gun it. I'm going to just gun it, and I'm, and, and I'm going to try to get there, and I'm not going to look back. But, the, but the, the difficult thing about trying to time this up, you have to understand, is there's so much traffic in August at night that, that's going up and down there, you, you get hit by a car. So it isn't like I can just go sprinting out into the middle of the road. I get hit by a semi-truck or, or a car. So right. that's part of the whole equation of how am I going to do this? And I'm just, you know, at this point, it doesn't matter. I'm going to I'm have to hope. So I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. And, of course, this thing's still in the corn. It's still following me. Adrenaline's building up. Adrenaline's building up. And, and then the, the question that comes to my mind is, am I going to look? Am I going to look? And I told myself, I'm not going to look because I thought if I look, I could freeze up. You know, you get scared, you freeze up, or I don't know what it is. So I, I told myself, I'm not going to look. So I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, and the corn's about to end. I'm about to take off, and I look, and I see a semi's coming from my left. But there's nothing coming from my right. I'm going to be able to make it. I, I mean, I can see the semi-truck coming down the road because it sets up higher. I'm going to be able to make it. So I take off dead sprint, and just as I start to get to Route 4 to turn right, I go ahead and turn my head to look, look back. I shouldn't have. But I do because, in part, because you're still looking at, at traffic, and that's when I see this thing step out of the corn. And I got to look at it. I didn't stop and look at it, but I got to look at it. And the the only thing that registered in my mind when I saw it was it looked just like the Egyptian god Anubis. It was six foot tall probably maybe a little taller than that and it kind of had a it had that anubis dog looking head it was dark smooth type looking you know uh coat long arms like kind of hunched over it reminded me in, in thinking back on it i didn't think this at the time but thinking back on it it reminded me of somebody that was playing linebacker they were kind of in an athletic stance and kind of hunched forward, you know what I mean? It, it reminded me of that. And so I sprint. And I'm assuming this thing is right behind me. I mean, I'm assuming this thing is right behind me. Um, and I'm sprinting. And then I realized, crap, there's a fence, a chain link fence around the pool. And I'm thinking, God dang it. I pray to God that the gate is open. Because you know how those swinging gates have got the latch that goes yes. up and down? I'm thinking, please, gate be open. Please, gate be open. So I cut across the, the neighbor's yard, and I get to my buddy's yard, and it goes blacktop 
So I hit blacktop, and as I'm getting there, I can see the gates closed. So I uh, instinctually, I'm just gonna jump it. But it's too big. You can't. I can't jump it. So as I get there, and it, you know how the you know the, there's parts of the fence that go up in like a triangle shape above the bar. As I get there, I put my hand on it my right hand on, and I jump and kind of throw my body over the top, and it just cuts me right across my waist. Because yeah, I'm not wearing a shirt or anything. It gouges me. I, I land, and I dive headfirst into the pool, and I slide on my belly on the bottom of the pool all the way down to the deep end, because the deep end was like 10 feet deep. Ooh. Yeah, it was deep. And I blow all my air out, and then I pinch my nose and I sit on the bottom of the pool and I look up fully expecting to see this thing standing on the side of the pool looking at me and I'm holding my breath and I'm pinching my nose and I sit there and it seemed like you know it seems like an eternity I'm sure it was just a few seconds um but I don't see anything so then I you know swim to the top and by the way that's not that easy wearing a pair of running shoes and I get to the top, I crawl out of the pool, and there's, you know, there's nothing there. And I, you know, I'd, I'd made it. But um, it absolutely just scared the hell out of me. But, you know, the thing is, when I saw it, the, the, especially when you're a kid, keep in mind, there was no internet back then, okay? I didn't have access to Amazon and books. and Like, like right now, I can go on Amazon and I can find four, five, six, seven, eight books about cryptids, and I could categorize this thing. Yeah. But what I saw, the only thing that in my frame of reference was Egyptian god Anubis. That was the only thing it was. So I never went out and told people I saw a werewolf because I didn't think that I did. You know what I'm saying? That didn't, that didn't register in my mind that that was a werewolf because at that time... If you think about it, I grew up in an era where the Wolfman was played by Lon Chaney. And, you know, the Wolfman had a flat face, had a shirt on and pants. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it didn't register that that's what I saw. Well, I can... So this... Hearing this story again, and I know we've talked about it over the years, this is... There's a couple things that come to me. Number one, that's exactly why I don't run. Okay? <laughs> one of many reasons why I don't run. Number two, I mean, I remember the next night hearing, hearing this story, like I said, at the car table. Now, the best thing about this was is that our friend, we were at Phil Gephardt's house, which was only a mile down the road on Route, on route 4. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Maybe a little bit more. And we were sitting in the garage, in his garage, playing cards. It was one of those nights where we were... Right. And so he's on this busy road, but he intersects... A similar road, right? Andrews, Andrews Road, road. Yeah. yeah. Where there's, and so of course we're all kids, and, and, and the judge is telling us this story, and and we're all like, whatever, you know, you're full of full of crap or whatever, and so at the time you did not tell us that you actually turned around and saw it. Right. Now I can. Now we've since discussed that, but I mean, tell you know. Told the other guys why it was you never told because because we I mean I remember the right. story like it happened yesterday. Well, I, I and didn't, it was and it was crazy. Yeah, yeah you know? I, I didn't tell anybody what I saw at that time, 
I, I didn't tell you guys. Yeah. I, I actually told a couple people, but I didn't tell you guys because I thought you guys would make fun of me. You wouldn't believe me. Well, you're absolutely right. And you guys I mean, would have absolutely made fun of me. Because and for the same reason you just stated is, you know, all we knew was there was maybe a Bigfoot, maybe a Loch Ness monster. Right. You know, there was nothing. That sort of the the, the, the was, point was yeah. there was nothing I could categorize. And and one of the things, as a grown man, if I saw something today, I would call you up and I'd say you're not going to believe what I saw. But when you're a teenage kid, you you worry about people making fun of you, or you worry about people calling you a liar, or you worry about you know you know being scorned. And so for me, I struggled. I struggled with what I saw. Because I could not place it. I, I, just, I just could not place what I saw. And like I said, werewolf never crossed my mind. It never crossed my mind that I saw a werewolf. And back then, I don't even know that there was a term invented yet of dog man. You know what I mean? I, I knew, look, I watched The Six Million Dollar Man. It was one of my favorite shows. Okay, I saw Bionic Bigfoot. Okay? It was played by what, Richard Keel played Bigfoot? But so I knew what Bigfoot looked like, okay, or, or, or supposed, supposed to look like, right? Exactly, and this wasn't it. That just wasn't it, you know. So it's like I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around what it was that I saw, and so I didn't go around broadcasting to people what I saw. I told my at the time I told my dad, and he gave me the same treatment that you guys would have gave me. He gave me, oh, you're full of crap. But the thing was about that, and this was what the interesting thing was about that. My dad basically acted like I was full of crap and didn't, you know, ah. But I noticed for, like, multiple nights when he went outside, he had a gun tucked in his pants. And I never, well, and I'd never seen him carry a gun. Like, I knew there was a gun in the house because Dad said, look, there's a gun in here. You know, whatever you do, don't ever play with this gun if you ever, you know. So I knew there was a gun, but I'd never seen it, never knew what it was. But I'm telling you, for at least multiple nights when my dad went outside, because we had animals and stuff like that, he, he had a gun tucked in his pants. And I remember, I never asked him this. I, I never said, hey, Dad, are you carrying that gun because you kind of believe what I'm saying? But it was one of those things in my mind that that gave me affirmation that he kind of believed me because, well, why are you carrying that gun, man? I've never seen you carry a gun. Like, it kind of resonated with him, like, maybe my kid's not full of crap. But then I thought, well, maybe he's just telling me I'm full of crap, even though he believes me, because he doesn't want me to be scared. He doesn't want me to be paranoid. Because let me tell you something. After that experience, going outside at night, it, it, it caused a lot of trepidation. To this day, you know, and I, I talked to a guy on one of these, one of the big dogman sites, and I told him my story. And I said, to this day, when I go outside at night, I still look, you know what I mean? You still have that ingrained in you, like what could be, and obviously the, you know, the name of our, of our podcast is, you know, From the Shadows. You wonder what could be hiding in those bushes. What could be just around the edge of the garage? What could be, you know, knelt down by your car that you don't see? And uh, even to this day, however many years later, it still is in the back of my mind like, you know, there always could be something there because I've seen it. Absolutely, no doubt. And a lot of our listeners probably feel the exact same way about that. 
They probably have had things that happened to them and did not want to share it for the simple feel that they couldn't wrap their mind around it. And so they couldn't expect any of their peers to treat them any different than what the same uh, that you felt that, that your peers would have treated you. Well, you know, I've seen now some shows, you know, like Monsters and Mysteries, Terror in the Woods, various shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen where people said, well, I didn't tell anybody. And, and you think to yourself, I know why they didn't tell anybody. Because they didn't want people to think they were an idiot or they were a liar or they were just a buffoon. You know what I mean? Um, I, I get it. You know what I mean? So, so Ozark Hallero, um in all your years. Well, did you did you ever go back and look at for the tracks or anything? No, I didn't go back and I, I didn't go back and and go through the cornfield. I don't. I. I mean, even in even in the daylight, I probably didn't want to go back there poking my nose around for fear that it was still there. You know. Now you were asking me, Shane, if I it, what were you going to say, Shane? Well, You're going to ask gonna, me. What I was going to ask was, uh, so all your years on the road as a uh, as a deputy and a and a highway patrol officer, um, you know, did you you know you had to patrol at night and stuff? I'm sure. Uh, That's right. Did you guys ever? I mean, did you ever get sent on a on a, on a call where there was something strange? Across the road, or some something in some somebody's backyard that you just couldn't explain at all. Yeah, but they usually ran back to the trailer park. Whatever was there usually ran back to the trailer park. <laughs> you know, so, I, I I'll tell you an interesting an interesting aside to that. I was talking to this guy in an in an airport, believe it or not, and we struck up conversation. You're stuck there, and, and we're talking about stuff, and I and I told him my story. And he was from the Minnesota area. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, I know why it didn't come out of the corn and get you right right there on the road. And I said, okay, why? And he goes, well, if it's a wolf, they're pack hunters. And he said, I think what it was doing is it was driving you to the pack. So, yeah, it could have been. Or, you know, yeah, that's right. Or even in the, you know, if you... Watch the uh, the African lionesses. You know they all usually two or three of them will run the prey until it gets too slow or till it get winded, and then the third or fourth one will jump in and kill you. Yeah, that's or an interesting the, point. the prey. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like I so if I would have turned so if I would have turned left, there could have been according to this guy. He's like, well, you know, they th- th- this thing was driving you. If you'd have went left, because on the opposite side of Route Four, which was on the same side of my house, there was another big cornfield. The the rest, if there if these things are pack animals, the, the rest of that pack could have been waiting right there, waiting for me to take that turn and then just ambush me. But that that brings up you know an interesting issue about if the dog man is real, if what I saw was real, if you know wasn't my mind playing tricks on me. Are these solitary creatures? Do they move in packs? Um, because if they're if they're canine esque, which I mean they look canine esque, um, you know wolves and coyotes, they're pack animals. They travel in packs. They hunt in packs. So, but if that's true, why wouldn't we see more of them? You know what I mean? Like, and I've I've read a lot, and 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 the 
the books that I've read where people have seen or thought they've seen what we describe as a dogman, it's almost always a single one. But maybe that's just, maybe that's how they're seen. They're not seen as a pack. I don't know. You know, I don't know. You know, as I told you before the podcast, the the the, the thing that makes me skeptic the most, I would say, is the fact that they don't get hit on the highway. Because the highway is the deciding factor. And as we said earlier, it's, it's you know, the conservation here in Missouri for years said there's no uh, mountain lines every once in a while. One would get hit, and then they'd say, well, somebody must have raised that illegally, and it's a, come from a pen and got on the highway. Well, then there was, I think, three of them last year, and now they've said, okay, we have some. Same way with black bears, you know. Uh, there were so few that they didn't want to admit that they were here, whatever, people would see them, and you... People would be kind of shunned if they said, yeah, we were out coon hunting and we treat a bear. And people go, oh, yeah, right. Well, now it's happening so often and everybody's got a camera now because everybody's got a phone. And there's so many posted that they've had to come out and say, yeah, there's bears here too. You know, and they've had now it's every other month there's a new article on don't feed the bears and be kind to the bears. And these are the bears that for 40 years said didn't they said didn't exist. So. I don't know, you know. I, I, the the world is a is a is a crazy place, but so, I would assume by now one would have been hit by a car. So or your, truck. So your experience then, and I, you know, I'm going to completely read into what you just said uh, because you're the skeptic. But uh, I am a skeptic. I, but so do you think that this this could be the same instance? Is there's no, uh, there's no such thing as a dog man. There's no such thing as Bigfoot. There's no such thing as chupacabra or whatever, because they don't want to admit that they're those things are running around out there and they don't really have a good. I mean, the whole thing with a black bear running out in the woods. I mean, does that make it? I mean, I'm not a big nature guy, but does that make it? Uh, people not want to go camping because there's black bears out in the woods and they're afraid it's going to hurt the. Hurt the, the the economy in that way, or, or what? I, mean, I don't. What, what, I, you know, I think part of it is they don't want people to be out trying to find them. Okay. Maybe I don't know. You know, you that once you get in government, government, why governments do what they do as far as people within the government? First of all, governments don't do anything because they're they are an innate object. They're buildings. That's the people within the government. The individual people decide, hey, we're going to say this exists or doesn't exist. You know, every week it seems I'm sending you something about UFO sightings, and now they're getting super common. Um, and now the military guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They've you know, just like these yeah. signals from space. Now, I don't necessarily think that ghosts are here in our planet. I don't think that there's, you know, I think the dog man is probably going to be a bear or a wolf or something. You know. Not, not necessarily common, but easily explained. Now, when you get in outer space stuff, though, I mean, we can't... It would be arrogant on our part to think that we're the only people here. Because when you look up in the stars and you think that every one of them is its own sun, which its own solar system around... Yeah. Why well, would I, we I will be say the this only much. place like, here? You know what I mean? I've had people tell me, well, I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in Dogman because they haven't found a body and until they find a body i'm not gonna believe in it but i'll share with you a story 
you familiar with the with the uh, the ship, the Lusitania, back in yeah. World War? Well, well, that's what you know. The sinking of the Lusitania is what got us into World War One. German submarine, right. you know, ships a uh, a sinks a ship that had Americans on it. But but what people don't know about that story is that when they sunk the ship, and it was there were survivors in the water. There were witnesses that said that a giant squid came up and was taking survivors under the water. Well, no newspaper would print that account because giant squids were things of folklore. They didn't exist, and these people were floating in water for their lives, and clearly they were scared and their minds played tricked on them. And no newspaper would run that story because giant squids weren't real. Well, fast forward 50, 70 years, and guess what? They find a body of a giant squid, and now they're real. So the mere fact that we haven't found a body in and of itself is not proof that they don't exist. No, they just actually caught that giant squid. Like, I don't know how deep the camera was, but they had the cam or a camera down in the ocean deeper than... And all of a sudden, here comes the tentacle from the dark, starts checking out... The camera and here comes the body until the tentacle figures out that the that that's just a camera oh we better get out of it. with that that's a giant squid and something that no one would ever see well there's been a couple of them now that have washed up to shallower waters and they found one of them was uh tentacles went as far as uh what they said like 75 feet yeah they're pretty good size before they and they said they're they're buoyant so in order for it to float up this to the surface, you know, it was already dead. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so 50 water. years ago, right. if somebody said giant squids are a thing of folklore, they don't exist, that's something sailors made up to pass the time and explain whatever, we now know that, yo, those eyewitness accounts were real. Right. So, you know, and the thing about it is, and I've looked at this, is there's been over 2,500 dogman sightings in the Midwest alone in the last, like, 30 years. I mean, you're talking Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. Now, obviously, with that many sightings, you know, why haven't we found any, you know, scat or, you know, droppings or bodies or hair or anything? Like that? Yeah, I, I don't I get know. That. Hey, you know what? Maybe do they shape shift back to a, a, a bear or something common when they get killed? I don't know. I just thought that just now. Well, you know, one of the things that, that I, I was on a podcast and, and I talked to somebody about is, Okay, let's just assume that a dog man that, that is, is real. What is it? Is it just a biological creature that has not been, hasn't actually been categorized yet? Or is this something supernatural in nature? You know, you know Native American, you think about Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, and I mean, tremendous amount of Native American tribes, they have their own folklore about shape-shifting and spirits and creatures and things like that. You know, is this something that's paranormal? Is this something that's multidimensional? Is this something that's just a run-of-the-mill organic creature that just hasn't been caught, hasn't been categorized, hasn't been put in any type of genus? You know what I mean? So I know what I, right. I, know I, what know. I think I saw, but, you know, obviously, you know, having been a trial lawyer for years, um, eyewitness testimony is not always the most reliable piece of evidence. So... You know, I was a teenage kid, running for my life, scared out of my mind. I, I know what I think I saw. Did I really see what I saw? 
you know, but interesting enough, I was reading uh, uh, one of these Dogman books, and somebody had almost an identical encounter as I did. And they described it, and the funny thing was the guys, and this was back, I think, in the 90s, and he described it as Egyptian god Anubis. So I know what that guy saw was the exact same thing that I saw. A lot of the images that were uh, created by sketch artists have that same appeal to them, too. They look like the Egyptian god Anubis uh, in a bipedal form. Right. Uh, and and uh, slick, short, short uh, fur. Yep. Smooth and, coat. Yeah, smooth, smooth coat, face similar to like a Doberman, actually. Right. Yep. And that's the uh, that's written off of eyewitness accounts. Well, uh, Ozark Haller, I will. Uh, I'll let you get the last yeah. last word in here before we uh, wrap this up, this episode up. But I, I want to throw this out at you because you brought in the uh, uh, the possibility of alien life. What what if these dogmen, okay, looking like the Egyptian god Anubis? Anubis. Um, what if what if this is because you know all the stories about and the beliefs that maybe the Egyptians were taught what they you know about building the pyramids and and how they uh, their engineering yeah what what if what if yeah what if they were visited by you know they were taught everything by extraterrestrials and now that's what the dogmen are they're the extraterrestrials coming back uh, and that you know maybe they're trying to teach up teach this or something more sinister is that now that the earth is more populated obviously and, and our technologies appear maybe the dogmen we're seeing are actually just reconnaissance missions spying on us not engaging us monitoring us for some sort of future invasion good very Makes for well a good be. script invasion of the dogmen what, 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 what do you think mr skeptic what do, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, that first of all, if they had technology to just come down here and send their, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I am conflicted. Okay, human intelligence is best gathered at the stores. Whether you're infiltrating a tribe or a location or a outfit, you know what I mean, like an undercover operation or or, or whatever. You know the old adage. Keep your uh, friends close, but your enemies closer. So if you want to get best intel, it's usually at the source. But my conflict is if they have the ability to send these down from wherever they're at terrestrially, they should have the ability to know what we're thinking anyway or, or, or gather so much intelligence at a, at a distance that they don't need to do that. That's a very good point. Although they may have a great you know, sense. I don't know. They may just have a great sense of humor. And think, you know how much fun it is to scare some teenage kid running down the road and make him run. Or, yeah, but, or, or maybe is this a rite of passage to him, you know? Or maybe they just think that we're just no competition for them at all, so they're not even trying to be elusive anymore. I mean, there's more UFO sightings being... We would, we, uh, we, uh, we are no competition to them. Absolutely. So, and we see more and more sightings are being reported every day. And you really can't discount because they don't care, right? Well, on that note, I think maybe that might be a uh, some fodder for another episode talking about that. 
But oh, absolutely. Thank you, Judge, for uh, sharing this story that has been a been a great story that you've rehashed over the years whenever we've got together and played cards. And, well, and, I'd uh, be interested if, if uh, anyone listening out there, either on our Twitter or Instagram or Facebook page, if you've had a similar experience, you think you may have experienced a dogman encounter, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your story. So reach out to us. And uh, if you want to be anonymous, that's, that's good. If you ever want to come on the show and tell us your story, we'd be interested to hear from you. Especially, especially here in the Midwest, somebody in a, an Ohio special. So. Absolutely. Contact us. So, all right. Well, thanks again, Judge, and until uh, the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Please visit us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash from the shadows podcast and on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash from the shadows podcast and tweet us on our Twitter feed at twitter.com forward slash podcast underscore from thank you for joining us and we look forward to hearing from you all until next time Never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>